Thank you for tuning in to Just Some Guys Podcast. This is Anthony, and today is episode one, talking about job hunting. So, I know in the first episode I touched a little bit on how I got my start, and again, this podcast, it isn't so much like how do millennials look for jobs or anything to that degree. It is way more just commentary about how I got to where I am and kind of what, as a millennial, I had to do in order to get to where I am today. Uh, to live comfortably enough while unfortunately still living paycheck to paycheck, but not struggle to the degree that unfortunately a lot of people in my uh, generation have to. So to get started, I came out of college, went to IIT, Illinois Institute of Technology, for those of you not in the Chicagoland area, and came out with a monstrous amount of debt, almost a mortgage amount of debt, well, a mortgage outside of Chicago. Uh, so, naturally, with that kind of debt, I had no choice. I had to go home, live with my parents. You know, you when you come out of college, you got six months before that money is uh, starting to be pulled, and it's terrifying. So, uh, you, of course, you're frantically looking for a job, trying to find anything. So, I graduated as the computer engineering degree. You would think that opens me up to a lot of possibilities. I was working at Best Buy and Geek Squad. Now, nothing against that. It was enough to get by, you know, get me by for the time, but there was no way that was going to be able to pay my bills when my student loans started rolling in. So, got that going. Uh, then, luckily, got an opportunity at a startup, which is still thriving today. So, good for them. Uh, but yeah, so the startup's name was Vocal Interactive, uh, gave me my first opportunity. At the time, I was a junior iOS developer. Now, you'd ask, you know, how'd I get in there? Well, that's a funny thing. I didn't just get there because of my schooling. I had to go out of my way during the summer. So this was about six months after almost six months after I got out of school, which is terrifying when you're hitting that six-month marker and not making enough to pay your student loans back. So I had to, during that time frame in between, start working on my own apps. Now, granted, this was seven, eight years ago, or I guess nine years ago at this point. Jesus, I'm old. Uh, but beyond that, the apps were kind of terrible. That it was really simple what I did. It was a quick counter app and then one other, like, not even a reminder app, but just like a notes app. It, like, they were nothing special. There was also one pretty terrible where you could type with the camera going and then you'd have to send it through the Apple messages so it kind of negated the whole, like, being able to see while you type thing. But, you know, it was... I had to make these apps in order to show I could make apps, in order to get an interview, in order to get hired anywhere. Now again, working at Best Buy, terrified of student loans coming, in order to get these apps in front of anyone, I had to spend $100 out of pocket to post these apps on Apple's App Store to have a shot to show that I could code. And this is before a lot of companies started doing uh, any coding evaluations or anything to that degree where in the interview process you would, which is commonplace now, do a coding challenge to show that you are capable. You basically just had to show that you had something in the app store. So went out of my way, did that, got lucky, got an interview, 
got an entry-level position as a contractor, so I still wasn't full-time. I was still terrified that my contract could be terminated at any point, but I got in. Luckily, you know, they had some challenging things for me to do. Still super new out of school, but I was able to knock them out, kept, you know, taking on any challenge they had for me, and was able to continue, uh, you know, continue moving up the ranks, uh, not terribly long, not even a year after I joined, uh, the primary iOS developer decided to uh, move on to bigger and better things, and I was the only iOS developer left as a junior. So I very, very quickly became the primary iOS developer doing, and it was very small startup, so when you had two developers and one leaves, you kind of have no choice but to have the other one take over. So... I got to work on a lot of apps the, while I was there. There was a lot that I would work on from start to finish or start to 80%. I mean, we were working for a lot of startups as well. That was kind of the beauty of it. So we would get the app get going. Then once it was just about finished, you know, polish it, send it off. And then there was a lot of companies that would come to us to fix their apps or to help them maintain their apps. So I got a lot of experience in a very short amount of time. I was there for about two and a half years, and during the time I had gotten reached out to by what I thought was a company. So here's the interesting part for our generation. It's very rare to hear from a company. It is very common to hear from a recruiter. It is sadly common to hear from a recruiter that you think is the company's HR, but ended up working out. So a recruiter that I thought was from AMI, which was my next job, was reaching out to me on their behalf to try and entice me away from my startup and into a digital jukebox company. I listened to what he had to say. I reached, you know, went ahead with the interviews and I went on as the sole iOS developer for a company called AMI Entertainment. Their whole thing is they have digital jukeboxes and they had apps that you were able to use your phone to spend your money and play on that jukebox in that bar or wherever, restaurant, wherever the jukebox is. Kind of a cool concept, awesome experience and awesome opportunity. So while it was fun being able to work on so many apps, I never had that feeling of ownership. I never had that opportunity to say, this is my app. So... This opportunity allowed me to shift and do exactly that. So I took the opportunity, started working there, and as I was working there, I had the task of getting rid of their old Titanium app, which for those of you not in the industry, it's, there's many different applications out there that claim that you could write one set of code and then deploy to both iOS and Android. It's gotten better over the years, but still, it's never quite as good as writing pure native. And when we say pure native on the iOS side, that means writing specifically in Apple's tools for Xcode for iOS and for Android. It's specifically writing in Android Studio for Android. So going beyond that, I had had that opportunity, got to you know start working, getting rid of their old app, creating one brand new from scratch. As time went on, I started uh, you know, running out of tasks to do, so I started creating tasks. It was a great opportunity, but 
not, definitely outside of my job description. I was able to cr work with them to write new features from what I would do to what I needed the server to do to what I needed the jukebox to do in order to succeed and then work with across all the teams to get these features implemented. Now, this is kind of the crux of my generation. Back in the day, you would typically take that experience and the company would promote you and then train you to do more. In the, in the current working world, you have to go out of your way and do what's beyond your job description in order to have a chance at a promotion. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. It's completely shifted and some companies, like I've been lucky enough to work for, have rewarded that and I've gotten said promotions. There's other companies out there that are predatory that convince people to do go above and beyond for the chance to get the promotion, but then office politics gets in the way and you're just sitting there at the same salary with the same title doing double or triple the work of what your current job description is. Again, off-the-cuff commentary, not specific. Not specific. Like I, I was lucky enough that I was in the better type of company. So as I continued to grow there, ran out, continued to design new things, and eventually as our Android developer left, I took over the Android side as well. So again, outside of my job description, but I just love coding for mobile. I wanted to learn Android. I was helping him ahead of time. And then eventually, since I had the bandwidth, it just took it over completely. So that was, you know, a very exciting part. So for at least a year, year and a half, I was the sole iOS and Android developer, maintaining two apps on two platforms for the world to enjoy. By two apps, I mean one on each. So that went on for a while. By about two and a half years, I was there. So that seems to be the average lifespan for a millennial, at least for me. I know some are shorter, some are longer, but if you want to keep moving up, you unfortunately can't just stay at a company. You need to move. It does. It's not conducive to our generation to sit and hope for a promotion to show up. All companies care not as much about the people anymore. They care about the bottom line. They care about the investors. It's you know, they'll keep you stagnant as long as they can if that means the investors are making more. It's an unfortunate byproduct of having a capitalist society. It really devalues the workers and completely values the bottom line. Granted, you get managers, you get staff, there are people that value the employee over the investor, but trying to convince the larger entity that is your company to invest, it's not easy. So, as I was nearing my end there, uh, got another exciting opportunity at Allstate. That opportunity was to join their R&D department for Connected Car. Uh, being R&D, there's only so much I can talk about. So, a lot of it's experimental and eventually would, if we're lucky, end up inside of the uh, apps that are out in the public for Allstate. So we didn't work on the public apps. We worked on the underlying features that would hopefully make it in the tougher stuff. So I joined them for iOS and Android as a developer lead. So I was working with both sides, working on the, you know, trying to create new and exciting features, trying to kind of take on those harder tasks that the production team just didn't have time to go through and trying to help evaluate different 
SDKs and all that. So I can't, you know, I'm not going to be going into any specifics. I'm just going over. This is kind of the exciting kind of stuff I got to do. While I was there, you know, got a lot of good experience. We got a very solid internal-only app that the company was using that produced a lot of good results that I believe made it into production over time as I departed. So I'll say it was one of my shorter tenures. I only lasted there about a year, year and a half. It just, while I enjoyed my team and I enjoyed who I were, my directors and who I worked for, when you get go from these smaller offices, these very engineering-centric offices to a Fortune 100 company or a large entity that is very political and very driven by, you know, the investors and all of that. It's an incredibly different world to navigate. To try to get a promotion is not just based on merit. You have to navigate all these political loopholes and hurdles in order to move up in the world. I'm not much for the office politics. I love working with my team. I love getting the job done. I love seeing it succeed and get out there to the world. I don't care to sit at my desk and make it look like I'm working there for 12 hours when I'm only putting in eight hours of work because, you know, there's value of someone seeing you at your desk in after hours that there's no actual value. There's no actual work being done. It's just it's all a facade. It's all a smoke and mirrors. You know, I get in, I get my work done, you give me a deadline, it's done. Like, I don't need to pretend that I'm working longer than I am. And that's how, that's an unfortunate thing that I've seen in some of these larger companies. The value of when you're at your desk outweighing the value of the work you're doing. So, you know, small tangent, uh, they... I will admit they were working on moving to the uh, moving to decouple themselves from that kind of mindset as I left. So it's good to see larger companies getting in getting more in tune with how uh, you know, my generation prefers to work and seeing that there's value not just in being at your desk but just watching how much work gets done. We have. All these tools that monitor, you know, the amount of code we write or refactor or whatever. Like, you could see commit logs. You could see all different things without having to see me at my desk. You know, we're internet-based. We're decentralized. You, There's companies that exist that don't even have an office anymore. It's kind of awesome. So, tangent aside, uh, while I was working there, another opportunity presented itself. Now, in between all of these... There were times where I put my name out there. Uh, one of the cheats, which I'm sure people, if they don't already realize this, so they will now. If you're on LinkedIn, all you have to do is update anything on your bio, just anything. You could update your name to add an extra space. You could add a URL for a new website. No matter what you do, you make any alteration to your page, you float straight up to every recruiter's top of the list. It is the easiest way to start getting recruiters coming after you without you having to do active job hunting. And typically, that's how I do it. It's very rare I'm going around actually applying to jobs now. I, well, I do apply from, 
on rare occasions if I see something that interests me. Typically, if I'm interested in shifting where I am, I just make a quick tweak to my LinkedIn and see what happens. Uh, so in that regard, I made my tweak and a few weeks later, Foot Locker reached out to me. All right, so in that, I talked to Foot Locker and like I like to do, they were talking about creating brand new apps. So an exciting opportunity to come on as an architect, which from the mobile standpoint is someone that would oversee not just how the apps itself are structured, but working with the server teams, the UX teams, really making sure that this app is as solid as it can be. Uh, originally, I joined as the architect for both iOS and Android, but as the teams grew, I grew to focus strictly on Android. So that's kind of where I am today. So I'm really enjoying my time at Foot Locker. We've gotten pretty much every one of our apps rewritten and out the door and feeling much more native. They were originally kind of hybrid apps that did some native things, but also had web wrapped experience. Now you're able to make purchases on Foot Locker's app and it's pure native experience, which feels so much better in my opinion. But to kind of go over all of this, things that I learned while I was going through my entire flow up to where I am today. Entry-level positions are unfortunately few and far between. I got lucky. A lot of people don't. I knew a lot of people in college that had to either, you know, keep deferring or forbearing their loans because they were struggling to find something. They had to shift and go to, let's say, bartending or to some other field that had nothing to do with what they studied just to make ends meet. Uh, I mean, it's tough uh, job hunting qualifications. So a lot of times you see these qualifications at the bottom. They're like, hey, junior level position, you need five to seven years experience. I mean, some of these experiences they request, when it came to mobile and I was three years in, they were like five to seven years. I'm like, the fields existed for three, maybe four years. How would I have five to seven? So what I learned is it's way more about your personal experience and your personal aptitude. Like if you feel comfortable, if you feel confident in what you're doing, these qualifications to me are there more to scare off the people without the confidence to do them. Yes, some of these companies are sticklers. and They'll be like, well, it says here you've worked here in this industry for three years, I need five. But if you've had the experience of someone that worked five, like if you did work at a startup where you get a lot more experience in these small companies than you do in, you know, a Fortune 500 in a very short amount of time because of the necessity of the small number of people they have working for them need to do so much more work than a company that's got 20 people dedicated to that same task. So, Take that as a, you know, just take that as a kind of hint or suggestion. It's not always mandatory. Like some places will say you need RX experience. Well, if you're a good developer, reactive programming, you can get the hang of it. You don't necessarily have to have done it for 90, day, you know, nine years or whatever. It's all about the, th the theory. It's all about how you get it to the end, it doesn't mean you have to have done that primarily. 
these are all things to kind of just scare off those that are un, you know just not confident enough to say I could handle this. Like I said, some of these things are non-negotiable. One of the tough things is looking for managerial experience. If they're not gonna kind of roll over if you and grab you just because you have everything else if you don't have certain things. But a lot of these things you can take as suggestions, not hard fat hard and fast rules for applying. Uh, when it comes to recruiters, there's God. I feel like I get hit by. 10 to 20 recruiters a week sometimes there's a lot so don't you don't have to entertain every single one just keep your eye out and if one of them suggests something that looks interesting to you go ahead and talk to them even if it's something that you know is outside of your realm or outside of your qualification it doesn't hurt to have a conversation and tell them hey look this position may not be for me but if you have anything related or anything in this area you can still end up finding some good stuff. So, and the value of the title is kind of an interesting one. So, I'm just kind of going through a little checklist I made myself. Uh, I know, I've read some articles and they're saying millennials value the title over the money. That's kind of the weird thing to me because I don't care what you call me, I need to be able to pay my loans. I need to be able to enjoy my life. Uh, but there is value to a title. And sometimes you do need to, you know, take the pay cut in order to have a more valuable title. But to any recruiters or anything listening out there that are, or any you know, manager, managers that are kind of taking this road, know that the value of the title, yeah, we'll take the pay cut to get that title, but it's not for the benefit of the company. It's for the benefit of moving on to make what we should be making. And then, really, the whole thing comes down to why do millennials jump so much? So, I've been in the workforce for nine years now. I've had four different positions, or I've worked for four different companies. A lot of people used to be 20, 30, 40 years for a single company. We don't get that anymore. And it's not just because we have all these startups and there's a ton of experience and opportunities out there. We can't sit at a company with our mountain of student loan debt and depend on that company to not only keep us employed because so many of these companies are like, well, we missed our mark. We're going to fire 500 people because the investors will be upset because they lost some money. That's a reality now that unfortunately we also don't have that same experience of a company investing in us. Most companies now, or a lot of these larger companies, they want you to keep doing more work and they make you fight for years to get the raise that you should have gotten four or five years ago. I'm pulling numbers out of the thin air at this point for how many years, but they still, they delay it on purpose. And it's because they're getting more work out of you for less. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And we want to be able to live the lives that we've seen past generations live. I had to put off, you know, I had to kind of cheap out on my marriage, which I have never heard the end of because I did not have money for a f fantastic wedding. I've had to delay buying a house for years, even though I was paying an insane amount of rent because that's where we are today. You don't save by renting anymore. You're almost paying the same as a mortgage payment. 
I mean, the, you know, the things, the normal life flow isn't the same anymore. And it's not because we're lazy. It's not because we value experience over. It's because we have a mountain of debt that no, no one ever had to have coming into the workforce. So for anyone listening, you know, in the millennial world, millennial generation, or even the gen- next generation, because I'm, sh- it's not getting any better at this point. Just keep working, keep your head down, keep pushing. You'll eventually get there. I mean, I'm still paycheck to paycheck. I'm not going to pretend like I'm sitting on a gold mine right now, nine years out of school. But nine years out of school, I can at least live comfortably paycheck to paycheck. Obviously, the goal is not to be paycheck to paycheck, but hey, you got to do it what you can in order to at least enjoy life so some people take the hey i'm gonna burn through all my student loan debt first but i took the i want to at least enjoy my life while i'm doing it so that about wraps it up for me today so thank you all for listening and hopefully you'll tune in next time